0: Welcome to the Locking Castle Church podcast. This Sunday morning teaching was given as part of the Fruitfulness on the Frontline series. So we're continuing today to think about how we can be fruitful on our front lines. Um, And particularly today about moulding culture, which is a strange expression I feel, um, probably just to fit in with the the, the M's in the series (laughs) but there we go, it's I think for me that sort of title talks about how we can make a difference, how we can have an impact on the world around us, how we can make the world a better place, more just and peaceful, more loving and respectful and how we can make our communities more supportive and inclusive. In short, it's about how we, by the way we live our lives as Christians, can bring the kingdom of God closer, how we can mould culture. Let's look first at at the reading that that we had, well we're going to look all the time at the reading we had, but um, particularly to to start with, at, at the theological foundation for what Paul is saying here. Paul is giving us a new way of understanding our identity as Christians. He's given us new minds. Um, One of the difficulties we have coming to this passage from Colossians today is that we're starting in the middle of Paul's train of thought. Really, we could have done with reading more, but then it gets too long to remember, really, doesn't it? Um, Immediately before the passage that we read... Paul has been explaining to his readers that Christian identity is a matter of being incorporated into the story of Jesus, becoming part of that story of Jesus. He has said that we have died with Christ, that we are buried with him in baptism, that we're raised with him through faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. And then chapter 3 begins as he writes, so, in other words, because of all the things that he's already said, if you have been raised with Christ, seek things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Do you see he's taking the next step in this story of Jesus? He's gone from death to resurrection and now ascension. We set our minds on things above Because the risen one is the ascended one whose rule is now from heaven. Paul explains how all this is the foundation for what it means to live our lives in Christ. Essentially what he's saying is the same as what Jesus said when he said, Seek first the kingdom of God. And if we were to ask what it means to set our minds on things above... It's about having our imaginations, our understandings, and our whole lives shaped by the rule of Christ. We see this when we look towards the end of the the chapter, which is what I preached on last time I was here. (laughs) Um, Which, the verse that begins, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever we do on earth, we're subject to that name. Subject to the risen and ascended Lord. And Paul tells the Colossians that rather than getting too worked up about the false Lord on the throne in Rome, they should subject their lives to the risen Lord at the right hand of the Father. And surely that's a message for us during these days of political turmoil that actually our Lord, our ruler, is our lord at the right hand of the father we have been buried with christ we are raised with christ we are subject to the ascended christ and in verse 4 paul finishes by saying when christ who is your life is revealed then also you will be revealed with him in glory death resurrection ascension second coming the story of jesus and that's your story too. It's that story that is your identity in Christ. Is what makes you Christian. It's the story we tell every week, from this lectern and from the table. And Paul is saying, go and live that story. That's what you need to do. To um, the story in that story in your life is what will mould culture on your front line. Living that story is what will make you fruitful. It's the foundation on which we build. It's our rock and our security, wherever our front line happens to be. So now we get to the crunch for us today. I love these passages that are really depressing. (laughs) So we're going to start talking about putting things to death and getting rid of stuff, okay? But the reason for that is because if we want this new life in Jesus, then we have to first die to the things of the old life, the earthly life, as Paul says. Put to death, he says, whatever in you is earthly. And he illustrates that with a whole list of sexual sins. And I want to be clear that Paul is not attacking sexuality, which is a good gift of our lives here on earth, but he's critiquing sexual practices that tell a story that's outside the story of Jesus. So he's not asking you all to be celibate. You can enjoy your sexuality, but do it in a way that honours Christ, that honours Jesus. And Paul concludes his list of sexual sins with greed, which is idolatry. And that is the heart of the matter. Paul is really kind of um, speaking to people who are in this world that is dominated by Rome. Uh, We may not be dominated by Rome, but we're dominated by the, um, the economies, the way that our political leaders think, in just the same way that the people of the Roman Empire were dominated. And the sexuality of the Roman Empire, if you'd like to call it that, um, the Roman Empire and empires now is greed. Greed is idolatry. Greed is a sexuality of unsatisfiable consumption and unlimited growth. And that leads to kind of a promiscuous way of life, if truth be told multiple sexual partners is just good capitalism and this too is outside the story of jesus and a church that will preach against sexual immorality of individuals without addressing um, the greed at the heart of our economy does not have the courage of saint paul but he's not finished yet (laughs) If you thought that was hard enough, it's not finished yet. And it's not a stretch to move from sexuality into those intense emotions that we feel in our relationships with one another. And Paul goes on to tell us to get rid of anger, wrath, malice, slander and abusive language. Now that might sound to you just another day's political language on the campaign trail. Um, But while such an abusive language has always been at the heart of political life, I think we've seen it descend to new lows in recent years. And the problem here isn't so much a lack of manners and common decency, as it is the free reign which we give to dismissive and slanderous language in everyday life. And it isn't just a matter of how we talk about people who are different from us, whoever us is. It's the language of the stock market. It's the seductive come on of advertising. It's the spin of politicians. And yes, even in the way that we Christians sometimes talk about one another. If we're truly to live the new life of Christ and mold the culture around us to become more like the kingdom of God, we must name that language. We must name that abusive language that's in our mouths and in our ears every day and rid ourselves of it. But why is this so important? And why does Paul use such strong language as putting to death? Because Paul says that's the life of the old self, which needs to be stripped off like soil of clothing, as we are clothed with the new self which has been renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. And this is the whole point of Paul's letter. A renewal and a deepening of knowledge, that new mind, so that we might be restored to our original calling as those created in God's image, that new life that we live. And this is all to build the new community, that is being formed in the spirit. So we've got new minds, we've got a new life, and we've got a new community. And Paul's vision of thriving is deeply relational. Now, in our Western way of thinking, we think in a very individualistic kind of way. And if I was to ask you, you know, how you would um, come to know your true self, you might talk about taking off masks, you might talk about, you know, stripping off all the bits on the outside that are kind of imposed on you to get to the real you. I think we understand this business of taking off dirty clothing, but we think when we've done that, we've got there. Actually, Paul's way of um, understanding how to get to the real self was different. It was not just about the individual. In fact, you can't discover your real self on your own. You discover your real self in relationship with others. And those things that he's asking us to rid ourselves of are the things that get in the way of good, strong relationships. Anger, wrath, that kind of thing, don't do our relationships any good. And what he asks us to put on, if you read on what I preached on last time, is love, compassion, patience, forgiveness these are not just individual characteristics. They're rather gifts of God received in the difficult work of relationships. They are the new garments for the new body of Christ, the new life in the new community. If you read the New Testament with Old Testament eyes, you won't miss the illusion to them being made in the image of God that comes from Genesis originally and Paul is saying in Christ we're renewed to that full humanity that was ours when we were first created and if you read this passage in the shadow of the Roman Empire you won't miss the empire-shattering implications of a renewal in which there is no longer Greek and Jew circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. Renewal in Christ extends to bringing together a new people whose identity as Christians unites them to each other and transcends without destroying traditional social, religious and ethnic divisions. I don't stop being a white female when I become a Christian. I'm still that. But I relate in a new way to those who are not like me because of, because of Christ. We're family because of Christ. So I wonder what you see when you look at the world around you at your neighbourhoods, even at this congregation. Can you see that new community? Is it true? And I wonder what Philemon and Omnissimus were thinking when they heard this declaration from Paul as well. Perhaps the elephant in the room is, is how we do this, how we actually bring this new community into being and how we rid ourselves of these things that surround us every day. Should we be playing football in a country with human rights record like Qatar? Should we work for companies that produce weapons? And if we do, how can our presence there mould the culture? How can it be salt and light? How can we be fruitful on our front line, especially if it's in a difficult place? It'd be lovely if I could give you clear answers to those questions today. I'd like to know them myself, if anyone's got an answer here. Um, I think for me, to do this stuff is not easy, okay? Um, And our callings our different front lines. We're all called to be in different places. Um, We're all called to be somewhere, and we're going to make mistakes. And if we're living the story of Jesus, then dying, being buried, and rising to new life is not a once and for all thing. It's a thing that we repeat each time we make a mistake in the way we live that life. It seems to me that what we're called to do is to be open to the Spirit's leading. Jesus went to some really tricky front lines, didn't he? He didn't shy away from them. And just because they seem to us to be wrong doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong for us to be there. Um, And to live the story of Jesus in the best way we can, wherever we can, wherever we are, seems to me to be what we're called to do. And as we seek to mould culture on our front lines, we do so from the basis of that deep security in our identity as those who've been raised with Christ. We are being remade in his image. And we are united with one another in this new community. New minds, new lives, new community. And in these moments when we get it right, because it's not all doom and gloom, and sometimes God blesses us by seeing a good thing that has happened because we have been there. And when we do, let's celebrate and rejoice in God, who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. It's not about us and our strength ultimately. It is about the life of God in us as we seek to live it in the world. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to find out more about Locking Castle Church, please visit our website at lockingcastlechurch.org.